0: we mm-hmm. bonus episode of Work Stoppage, your favorite labor podcast. We are 100% listener supported, so thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. If you're not in the Discord already, get in there. It's a really great place to hang out and talk about the show and about labor. And uh, let's get right into it without too much prelude today. We are going to be doing a really cool interview with Matt from the Amazon SDF1 uh, facility in Campbellsville, Campbellsville, Kentucky, who is a college student, uh, YDSA member. And head of the organizing committee there, Matt. Is there anything else you want to say uh, and introduce yourself?
1: I am um, also a member of the Young Communist League and the IWW. Hell yeah! But, um, yeah, my name is Matt uh, Matt Latrell, and I'm from uh, originally from Cincinnati, and I lived there for quite a good portion of my life, and um, until I decided one day to move to this rural area freshman year of high school when, uh,
2: when I decided that the schools would be a lot better. Nice. All right. So I guess before we get into the the drive that you're working on, can you give us, you know, a little background on your, like how you came to labor organizing, like how you really got started and what, what prompted you to want to really get involved and, and become a, a leader as far as trying to organize the workers at your job site?
1: Uh, so yeah, I've always been quite a bit of an anarchist, uh, very anti-establishment person and, um, years, years of abuse by corporations prior to coming to Amazon, uh, really drove me in the direction of seeking solidarity with my coworkers and, when i started seeing what was going on in uh, bessemer alabama with their union drive with um the retail wholesale union and when i started seeing what was going on with uh, amazon labor union in staten island and how hard this corporation was fighting these movements how how much abuse was was given to employees um and in looking at all of the abuse, neglect of working conditions, um, lack of pay, uh, lack of incentives, and stuff at my own site, and just seeing that management doesn't give a fuck, um, I decided I decided that we will have to force them to do this, to recognize us, to to care about us. We will have to get a, a legally binding contract so that they cannot give us something, and then take it away as soon as they want to.
3: Mm-hmm. Hell
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. And so how long? just for, I guess, a little bit of background on your experience with Amazon specifically, about how long have you been working at the, the Amazon facility there in Campbellsville?
1: I've been here for a year and a half. And um, at first, I was hired last year as a seasonal employee. And that was one of the first inequities that I noticed here at Amazon because at that time, they started hiring a lot of people as Mm -hmm. full-time. Even my wife got hired in 2020 as a full-time associate right out the gate. But then I had to come there and I had to work for it. I had to maintain such a high standard up until that date, to when they were going to let me uh, apply to transition to being a full-time employee.
3: When that mm-hmm. happened, did they make you like fill out a whole new application, and you were basically rehired as a new employee, or was it a, or or is it like kind of similar to like a fire and hi- fire and rehire practice, or is it? Did they have a slightly more like seamless transition for for that?
1: Um. So I had to wait until a certain date to when they opened up the hiring process but yes i had to apply for a job all mm. over again and so the only difference was that i didn't have to apply through an external source i applied through the internal jobs uh application and oh, and yeah so yeah you have to apply to be hired again so I wa even before that opened up to me, I was putting in applications to become a full time employee mm. almost as soon as I got hired as a seasonal associate, but um, they pretty much came to me every time, and they're like, Hey, stop putting in all these applications you have <laughs> to work you-, you have to work your way up to this position just stop
2: uh, wow. Huh. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's gotta be an annoying process. Like where you've been working there, you clearly know what you're doing. You know, you've done been doing the work for a while and yet they still like put you behind this arbitrary time gate on when you can actually apply to do the same work that you're already doing full time.
1: Oh, and, and get this shit. Um, so I was working through not Amazon. I was working through a staffing agency. Oh, okay. it's an infamous staffing agency called um Integrity Staffing. Integrity of
0: which
1: <laughs> integrity of which they have none. Um yeah. Because at the time that I got hired, um they were actually undergoing a class action lawsuit for wage
2: oof. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit on the show before about some, just some of the many many problems with like temp agencies, labor agencies, really like any of these sorts of contracting firms. And yeah, everything that at least I, I, cause I haven't experienced it personally, but you know, reading about it, hearing from other folks who've been involved with it, I, Amazon's already exploitative enough, but then having to deal with like this, this temp agency as kind of a middle person in between them, that sounds like it's gotta be like a nightmare.
1: It was. And the thing about it was that you you got the same wage as any other Amazon employee at your at your tenure, but um, you didn't get a lot of the same benefits. You didn't have mm. access. You didn't have access to the Career Choice uh, tuition program or any kind of tuition reimbursements. You didn't have access to um, the same level of health care or. Any of those benefits like the employee discounts or the um, the extras for Amazon, which is kind of a marketplace uh, where they partner with companies like Skechers to offer discounts. Um, And so on top of not getting the same benefits and getting wages taken from you, um, you also had the lack of job security when that's one thing that adds to amazon's very high turnover rate is they will hire seasonal employees and if you don't make the cut to a blue badge which is the full-time associates then um you will just be let go all of a sudden just bye-bye
3: Yeah. No. And I mean I imagine with the different health care coverage with like the announcement of the additional uh funds for people who need to travel for abortions that those sorts of uh benefits would not be applied to those uh workers who are uh, working through temp temp-, eh, temp agencies either similar to how independent contractors are also not covered under that. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and um they also do not have paid maternity leave for any of them. So, well, well, no maternity leave. They don't get any maternity leave at all. And that's one of the things we're fighting for at our shop is that we're like, okay, so you guys work 40 hours a week. You're equal to us, us full-time employees. You guys are equals. And so we're gonna make your issue one of our priorities in our demands that Amazon just Just recognize you as equals make you a blue badge. Stop stop hiring Seasonal because when people apply for a job They're they're not looking for a temporary gig. This is not door this is not Contractors. This is not a little factory where they they hire uh, Through a hiring agency Which this rural area is very populated with Um, are these Mm -hmm. factories? That will make you start out as a temp before they ever give you the chance to be a blue badge. Um, well, well, not well, full time. I mean, uh, these these other organizations obviously don't have the blue badge shit, right.
0: right? So these issues are are pretty ubiquitous. It seems from the way you're describing them, like. Pretty much any worker on the ground at the facility should be able to see this stuff. Were these some of the first things that you, you started getting people to organize around, started rallying around, or or what were the first steps that you took in in trying to get people interested in the actual organizing of a union at this facility?
1: I wanted to make this process very holistic. One of the things that that really opened my eyes to this were the working conditions, and specifically the working conditions, that management will just part a blind eye to, and they will hold you to the same expectation despite this barrier. And I volunteered to be on the, um, it's called GIMBA. It's its a process improvement path where you basically go, you get a little bit of training, and then you go and survey employees, you take notes on what their issues are, safety-related issues, job-related concerns, and then you relay, you relay that to management, you make a presentation about it, and all of these managers hear what you have to say, and then they're supposed to make a project, an action plan to get that done. But what I noticed is that no matter how many employees I got to confess their issues and all this, nothing was changing no matter Mm -hmm. how much i stayed on management about it i fought with management all the time giving them constant reminders that these issues are continuously happening that that there was an old lady um you've heard about the overstuffing of bins at amazon Mm -hmm. so like imagine imagine you have a dresser that has about four drawers and you put way too many clothes in that drawer what does it do it makes it really hard to open it makes it really hard to find the eye the the article of clothing that you want and um part of that will be a safety issue where you're going to be trying to jerk it open essentially um, and imagine your dresser is made out of cardboard so maybe you jerk it open a little a little bit too hard and it breaks or you know you have it stuck and you just can't open it at all um so there was an old lady who pulled her hip out of place trying to open (sighs) open a bottom bin so all all the ones on top of it were overstuffed and Mm. the one on the bottom was also overstuffed so she had to bend over and try to open that and yeah she she had a hip surgery and everything and uh She's still on workers' compensation for it to this
2: day. Damn! Wow, that's that's terrible. Uh, I know one of the things that I'd also read that I, th- I think is it w- was an issue at, at your facility. I know that I've seen it from so many other Amazon workers around the country. It's one of the things that I know the the workers that are organizing under uh, Cause and at the Garner, North Carolina facility have mentioned but um, the heat in the warehouses that is one of those things that I've heard is a continual problem and that Amazon has been told this over and over and over again where you have workers who don't have enough time to get, have water breaks because of all the, the discipline from, from management and yet they're not providing AC for anybody. So has that been like a, a big issue for you guys as well? Uh, yes, and
1: especially because we're at a very old site. You need to understand that this is considered a legacy site by Amazon. basically, they use it as a backup. They use it mostly for apparel returns. I think um only two percent of the total inventory is non apparel um oh, wow, wow, and so you know Jeff Bezos was back here working back in the day um not not as a regular employee, obviously, but um, some of the elders at this site, the people who have been here for 21 years, stuff like that, because they opened their doors in 1999. Um, so some of these people, they remember Bezos and some of the other executives that would come around every once in a while. Um, and... Golly, those people remember when it was sweltering in here all the time, when when the heat index at the site would regularly uh, surpass 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Wow. And now it's not quite as hot with the HVAC, the fans, the water coolers and all that stuff. But what good is that if if when you need to take a water break and drink a few cups of water and and stand around for a little bit and catch your breath? Um, what good is that if you can't even use the water cooler without it being counted against you? Um, right. What good, what good are the fans? If, if you're moved from a mod that has fans, uh, uh an area that has fans, and then you go to one of the areas that are site that has no fans, the HVAC does not work properly. And there's no ventilation. We, we have a couple of mods like that. And, um, it's not, it's honestly very very heartbreaking that they've had so many years to actually tackle this problem, and that I've brought this problem up to them so many times, and that some of the other people who did who did the same uh, volunteer position of Gimba for several years continuously brought this up to them, and they ignore it, and then they tell you. They say, hey, at our site, it doesn't get above seventy-five degrees. That that is an absolute lie. Um mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. brought a thermometer in the other day to an area and it said it was 84
2: degrees. Oof. That's, and that's pretty hot to be doing a lot of running around, because I know you they with all the tracking of time off task, they keep you guys moving.
1: Yeah, and especially um you might go to an area. Uh, you might have to go up to the fourth floor sometime. Your scanner will tell you to go to the fourth floor. You go up there, you pick one fucking item, and then it moves you moves you somewhere completely different. That hmm. um, could be far away. That could be to a different building. It could be... You know, because every building has a certain amount of uh, mods. So, example, like, you have A building, and then you'll have A and B mod over there, but then you'll have... The high side, the low side, each one of those has four floors. Then you'll have um C building that has E mod and F mod and uh F mod is also another one where uh after a lot of complaints by our people in particular, they actually put up some fans, right? After so after so many years of not having those. Ever since we decided to decide we're going to start organizing for a union, they decided, oh, hey, we're just going to try and bribe these people with a couple of things. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's wild how, how much a, a corporation's response to your demands can change in in tone and in action once you actually start demanding them in an organized fashion. And uh, it's 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 unsurprising that management had up until now been pretty resolute in in ignoring the requests that you and the other workers had made of them. But on the flip side, like what has the reception to your organizing efforts been from your fellow workers? Like what's the general tone uh, among the workers at the facility specifically with regards to uh, potential unionization
1: so here it is uh, mostly the young people that are really interested in the union stuff um and conversely we do have a lot of older folks that are on board people that um that remember Harlan County, what went on in Harlan mm-hmm. County uh, mm-hmm. like I say like I say to people, the, the legacy of Bloody Harlan continues for a lot of people. Um, we even have a guy on our organizing committee he he grew up in Eastern Kentucky, and he worked at non-union coal mines and unionized coal mines, and he saw the difference, and he tells people this the difference between working conditions at these places. And, you know, um, the only people that are really hostile towards it at our site are the elders, the Amazon veterans, the people that have been here since the doors opened, the people that have been here, um, 10, 11, 15 years, stuff like that, because it's a very odd thing about tenure at this site. So you do have the people who have been there forever, the dinosaurs, um, (laughs) You know so they they saw um management's improving working conditions semi progressively over a long time moving at a sa- snail's pace, so they remember when there was no hVAC and no fans, nothing like that, and then they remember when they did add those when they did make those additions, and so they think that management has their best interest at heart um, mm. they remember when they were making uh, less than $10 an hour. And then all of a sudden, in 2018, they got a $15 raise. Well, well, a raise up to $15 as the minimum. But these people also remember when their stocks got taken away, when mm-hmm. their um, variable comp- variable compensation plans got taken away. That That was actually when Amazon would incentivize you to go above and beyond. Um, so matter of factly, these, these elders at the site, they're, they're pretty brainwashed. Um, they remember when the, the executives and stuff here, the leadership, they would say that they would, they would spread all kinds of falsehoods about unions. They would say, Oh, if you guys ever unionize, um, we're going to shut this place down. Mm. They, they remember they remember Jeff Bezos going up to them and saying, hey, if you ever see these guys with union cards, don't sign it. That means you're a member of the union. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, we've heard so many different management lies about unions, like in the process of just talking to people and, and following all of this stuff. And that actually leads me to another question that I ha- had about when you've been, your experience talking with your coworkers about this, about issues on the site, about organizing a union, uh, you said that a lot of the younger workers have more, like, enthusiasm for organizing. That's definitely something we've seen. I mean, obviously, like, the Starbucks movement is a big example of that. But as well, you know, the workers at JFK 8 who organized. But one of the things that's been interesting, and I think largely due to, you know, the country's war on unions, more or less, is that there's so few people in so much of the country who know anybody who's in a union that a lot of folks don't even necessarily really know what a union is or does. Is that something that, that you've run into, just folks who maybe might be interested in, in the concept, but just don't really know much about unions at all? And so there's like a whole process of education that has to be done.
1: Yeah. So, as, you know, you hit the nail on the head with that. And um, especially here in Kentucky, this even this part of Kentucky, a lot of people, yeah, they don't know what the hell a union is. Just, so I explain it to them. I explain it to them as simply as I can. And I explain to them the advantages of a union and why, Hey, you could go and protest these changes and that's all well and good. You could act like Amazonians United and, um, you know, petition and then decide if they don't meet the demands of your petition, you're going to walk out. But Mm -hmm um and that's that's a great thing i love that militancy we have some of that militancy here where people will be very confrontational with management but at any time amazon could take that away from you if you win it that way they could Mm -hmm. they could start targeting you and you might not have the means or the knowledge of how to file ulps you you might you might have not even had any prior warning like I have. My prior warning was that um, anti-union people started talking about me, starting whisper campaigns, and then I started receiving write-ups, write-up after write-up, and I was able to to talk to um, the people I was working with when I was working with the machinists and really get them to help me file my first charges and then connect connect that to retaliation and how I was able to um,
3: kind of defend yourself with the law in in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah, because you know, don't get me wrong, the the labor board, they're they're still controlled by the bourgeois um, political class, but, you know, they, they do good every once in a while. Sure. They're not a friend of the people, but sometimes they can help save your ass if you're in a pickle. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, and then I guess like getting into the actual process that you've been going through of talking with your coworkers, finding out who's interested in the union. When you're actually, you know, talking to folks about the union, be it flyering or just on the job, what whatever, is, are there any specific, tactics, uh, angles of approach uh that you have found particularly effective and anything maybe that you specifically like drew inspiration from from any of the other groups that have been organizing be it you know the ALU and JFK8 or the RWDSU down in Bessemer or any any of them or or just stuff that you've come up with on your own um so
1: there's there's a lot of trial and error there um for sure uh so, part of my thing was that I established trust with these people when I was going around and surveying these people and letting them know that hey, I'm actually here to help you as best I can, but it's management that might uh, might not take your concern very seriously, and they don't take their your concern very seriously because they don't have to right It's not mm-hmm. their obligation so i want I wanna appear and it's not the appearance, but it's the genuine helpfulness. I want to be helpful. Um, I don't want to look like I'm just trying to stir the pot, right? I, I want to I find out what their issues are, and I want to propose a solution. I want to give them that hope. Because without hope, then everybody, everybody's just going to succumb to fear, uncertainty, and doubt around
2: this
1: and when JFK eight was um in the in the heat of their organizing around their election i would even ask people stuff like you know if i wasn't surveying them at the time i would say um hey what what do you think about this all this union bullshit going on uh in new york (laughs) and 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 just to like take a take a tone where i don't give myself away completely and i sort of let them figure out what i'm talking about let them come and ask me what a union is um let them come and ask me what a democratic workplace looks like, where where um you at least you know the union doesn't run the business, but you know they they sure do help you out um that clear up some of these misconceptions that they have when people tell me like hey don't those unions don't they defend lazy workers um <laughs> and I say you know if you elect a bad shop steward that can certainly happen. But what a shop steward's duty to do is to fight to protect your job so that you don't have to fight with HR and management and put a target on your back and even fight them so hard that you get charged with insubordination and fired um, or targeted in any kind of subtle way that they would do it. Like, um, uh, I just yeah. said so much, I draw a blink a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, so I mean, like, yeah, people are busting their asses every day at the at these facilities, and I mean, I imagine that uh, you know, if there was slightly less work to do, or like you actually had time for those water breaks, that might actually be a real benefit to everyone. And it's not about laziness; it's about having the time you need to take care of yourself you know i mean that's what? a common common tactic against unions is to say that it defends lazy workers when in reality what it does is it tries to make you more you know safe conditions for for everybody
0: Well, and I'd also like to just throw in like, who's a lazy worker? It depends on who you ask. Like if you ask the company who a lazy worker is, they're going to point you to the people who are fighting for workers' rights and they're going to be like, they're so lazy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So it's just an opportunity for them to pick on whoever they want.
1: Yeah. And I wanted to add to that, when I drew a blank, what I was going to say is, you know, the job of the union, the job of the shop steward in terms of your job security is not to protect you when you're lazy because unions physically cannot do that. They, they, they cannot protect you. Basically, they just put the burden of proof on management. Mm-hmm. They make management prove to them that you were doing something that you should not do. Um, like, let's say, let's say uh, somebody was represented in this area. Kroger has United Food and Commercial Workers Union mm-hmm. and, let let's say um let's say they use their Kroger employee discounts and help somebody to purchase food um like like if COVID was going on let let's say they sure. use their employee discount to go in there and then buy somebody some ribeyes and and bring it out to them uh, because they were afraid to go into the store because d- during COVID um and then then Kroger accuses that employee of stealing for, for that act. Um, well, what, what can the union do? They, they, they they can make them prove that their policy, that under their policy, this was wrong. Then, but that's all the shop steward can do.
2: Yeah. And, and actually, uh, bringing up like some of the other places in the area leads me to another question that I had from like reading the interview that you did with Jacobin. um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about just some of the different challenges faced at organizing at different Amazon facilities at different parts of the country is the different like labor markets in different states. Because, like for instance, you know, and in, in, for JFK eight in Staten Island, if a worker is working there and they're making whatever the minimum wage for the facility at JFK eight was, will be at fifteen dollars, sixteen dollars maybe $18 like they may have the opportunity if say Amazon fires them for organizing to find another job that pays a similar wage. But I know one of the things that when I was reading about the first loss at Bessemer before the election was thrown out um, and before the second one that a lot of the organizers there talked about, it sounds like maybe there were some similarities for you was that while Amazon exploits the ever loving hell out of all of its employees, runs them ragged every day, and they, and doesn't really give that much in the way of benefits, their minimum wage, while still nowhere near a real living wage for the vast, vast majority of people in this country, is still in some places, and I know they said this was an issue in Bessemer, the high, the highest paying game in town if you don't necessarily have a degree. Is, is And so like that is the sort of thing that I've heard can be, you know, make add another layer of difficulty on top of the already huge mountain of challenges that exist for organizing a union in this country. Is that something that you found to be an issue, uh, at, at your facility?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and I touched heavily in that Jacobin uh, in that Jacobin article that this is a company town. Mm. It is completely reliant on this fulfillment center for most of the things. Okay. So the, uh, when when people ask me why don't I go get a job elsewhere, I say, "Okay, so I have a choice between this capitalist that does not pay enough, and then I have a choice between another capitalist that pays even <laughs> less, um and gives even less in benefits." Absolutely. And this is Central Kentucky. Okay, what is Central Kentucky known for? Um bourbon and manufacturing of auto parts. So you could go and get a job at this auto part factory and you'll be even, you'll be in even worse heat than you are here. And I experienced mm. that myself before I came here, I worked in a rubber factory where we made rubber parts and you know, you, you, you have these ovens that are running all night long. Um, and, and they expect you to pull 12 hour shifts. Um, Amazon limits you to 60 hours a week. Uh, and things like that, and so that is what these other employers will expect from you if you go and work there. Um, you might be making slightly more money, you might be making less money, but um, they expect something for nothing.
2: Absolutely, just like yeah. Amazon. Yeah, so I imagine it because it becomes sort of a an issue where you have got all that like capitalist ideology of the, like, exactly what you were saying. Well, if you don't like it, why don't you just go get another job? and it becomes the challenge for the organizer to explain like well wait a minute well why is it on me if this job's conditions suck and are horrible and are exploitative and terrible shouldn't we be staying here and fighting to fix that i, I how has has that been a challenge with talking to your your coworkers about that sort of thing
1: and in, in the terms of that they don't understand that that they can um lack any sort of class awareness that, that their that their interests are closer to their fellow worker than they are to Jeff Bezos. Um if if they if they um are, are way too individualist, they won't understand that, okay, I made it my purpose in life to stay here and and to stay on the Amazon drive and to help my fellow workers who have no other choice right if it was just me if it was just me i i could just go and become an it guy i'm in college for that Uh, i could take some kind of apprenticeship or an internship somewhere and go uh, go elsewhere but it's not just me and getting these people to think think about the single mother that is working here who, who can't get food stamps you know they shouldn't be on food stamps in the first place because they're working so many hours a week and and all that stuff. Like, but I, I don't. Who, who's that guy who said this? The, the Every Man a King person um, from back in the day. But mm-hmm. but he was saying no nobody who works forty hours a week should be struggling.
2: Oh uh, yeah, yeah like the that. the old Huey Long quote.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, and and actually speaking of Jeff Bezos, I guess. Now we get to the question of the inevitable when it comes to organizing a union, pretty much anywhere in the United States, uh, you know, you've been doing this incredibly difficult work of trying to, you know, bring your coworkers or, uh, along to the idea that, Hey, you know, our jobs could be a lot better if we band together and form this union to defend our ourselves, you know, against the company, uh, as we've seen across the country with, from companies to Amazon, to Starbucks, to, you can just name any company, and they all pretty much do this the same. Uh, They are all terrified of the idea of their employees unionizing because that would cut into their profits. And so we have seen all sorts of crazy tactics, brought out there by the bosses to try and crush organizing drives. I'm sure it's no different in your case. Can you tell us a little bit about how Amazon has responded to the union drive and what like tactics they've busted out to try and push back against your organizing efforts?
1: Yeah, so I I really did mention that um you know, I just started receiving these write-ups and and they do it one after another. So, yeah, that that, that forced me to file a UP, ULP on that first circumstance where um, they, they did not recognize a working condition that actually made me accumulate all that time off task. They did not adjust their expectation to that barrier. But um, I, I've been reported to ethics by other employees. Like I'll make a Facebook post and then somebody will report my Facebook post to central investigations and, and they'll try to instigate on me um just recently i had somebody uh report me for harassment they said i was soliciting them about a union in the bathroom like first (laughs) first of all i don't even use these filthy fucking (laughs) bathrooms you know they 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 don't get clean too often and um why would i hang out in there and talk to somebody about a union (laughs) you know So the things I do, if somebody is not interested in a union, I I don't press on them about that. I just I might ask why I want to kind of understand where they're coming from. And then I would maybe in the near term future, I certainly wouldn't uh, press them on this. But in the near term future, I might try to look for another way that we could have some solidarity. Sure, of course like an amazonians united kind of thing if if that's the way it has to go down, right but yeah it's just it's just craziness so the one day we were out flyering i had some uh fellow workers come down and help us uh with flyering some surveying um tabling that that's where you uh set up a table to have people come out there and talk to you and all that shit and um when we did that, Amazon called the fucking cavalry on us. They called, they called a sheriff. the sh- The sheriff came there, and he watched us for a little bit, talking to the security guard, talking to the general manager, and then the general manager comes up there and confronts us, um, off of Amazon's property line, hmm. and, he, and he refuses to show us. That that is that their property line, and we knew it wasn't. And then this fucking sheriff comes up there, rolls up there, and talks to us like five minutes later. And then you have them saying, "Oh, we don't know where the property line is." And um, <laughs> and and then you have two state troopers pull up on the opposite side of the sheriff in the other lane, and they get out. Well, they weren't they weren't state troopers; they were city cops. But anyway, they come up there being all intimidating in their Dodge Charger vehicles, and you have this huge SUV right next to you, and you know you're 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 sitting there thinking like, what the hell are they gonna do to me? This is a small yeah. town. These mm-hmm. cops have a reputation for corruption, and um, you really don't know what the hell is gonna happen. It, it's an intimidation tactic. They had Chris Smalls arrested they right. were probably hoping they could have us arrested too. Yeah. And and then right after right after that, um I mentioned in the article that you know a manager came up to me, uh, well, a supervisor came up to me and asked me how is the revolution going? Like <laughs> right, right after I started my shift. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's wild. Uh, actually, like uh, you you raised the point about the amazon having chris Smalls arrested and i know there that actually served as a bit of a turning point where a lot of the workers at jfk8 saw that and were like well wait a minute this is pretty messed up so like how how's the resp- other than by you know the manager like being an asshole like how uh, how have your coworkers responded to the way that amazon has tried to crack down on on y'all like uh, i mean just calling the cops on Amazon workers for talking to other Amazon workers, not even on Amazon's property, Is is that the sort of thing where folks have responded to that? It'd be like, Hey, this is messed up. Or have, is it mostly just been like, well, they shouldn't have been messing around.
1: Yeah. So there's been a mixed response. Most of the people, everybody who has actually talked to me about it to find out my side of the story about what's going on. Yeah. They agree that it is fucked up that they did this that they agree that Amazon was trying to intimidate me and it actually built up some steam. Um, after this thing happened, that is the first time where, um, you know, these people actually started approaching me wanting to talk to me about the union. Um, they're like, Hey, was your name, is your name Matt Luttrell? Um, (laughs) some, somebody told me what you look like. They told me you're wearing this orange safety committee vest and, um, said i should go talk to you and find out more about the union and um what happened when they called the cops on you and all that shit and yes you know and then there's other people that are like site elders like they might be a process assistant or something and they'll be trashing me on facebook somebody called us union protesters said we're protesting (laughs) for the union uh then another person said either get off the property or get arrested and uh Jesus! Wild <laughs> yeah. and yeah, I, I mean, and, and, and the more afraid people come become, like they might be thinking that the site's going to get shut down or something. And because a whisper campaign goes around, management starts these whisper campaigns whenever they want to, I suppose. Or even the elders do it if they start thinking the fulfillment center is getting shut down, then they're going to be like. um, they're, they're going to feel like they're backed into a corner and they're going right. to feel like, they're going to feel like you're the person who's doing it. And, right. and I, and I asked them, why is management willing to end your job for something that doesn't even negatively affect them?
2: A hundred percent. Yeah.
1: There is no intrinsic threats to the company just by having a union in the workplace. Um, because let's say you win your election well what happens after that i mean you have to start working on your contracts
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so there has been no nothing else has been won from the company um the company hasn't had to provide anything that hurts itself um when you're negotiating the contract when you get to that phase um the company can afford their lawyers uh Right. And, and all this shit. And, and the company's not going to agree to anything that actually hurts it. Right? Yeah. I mean, so so, for example, during our busy season, peak season, management decided they were going to increase the incentive. And so from the middle of October until the second week of January, we were making an extra $3 on the hour as a shift differential.
2: Oh wow. So
1: basically I was making my um my 1750 an hour and then I was you know that's my that's my um base pay plus the differential I already have. So 1650 and then they gave me another $3 on top of that. Hmm. So they already proved to us that they could pay us that much without it hurting anything. Sure. That's right. And yeah. In fact, in fact they increased the volume of workers to such a degree based on all their um ludicrous business forecasts. They increased it to such a degree that we did not have enough work for the workers that were there. They Wow. They could have gone through the busy season without having hired anybody else. Damn. So they get, they offered these $3,000 sign on bonuses. And another issue we've gone around is that, um, some people have not received their sign on bonuses. Um, Mm. Amazon did not make those terms and conditions clear to them. So, um, let's say, let's say you would have got a sign on bonus if you were hired by November 1st. And then, um, for whatever reason, they decide to delay your sign-on date to when you actually get to come to the facility and, um, and, and have your um, new hire orientation. Sure. Um, if they delay it, that means you don't get the sign-on bonus. Um, if, if, you, if you switch to – if you transfer to a different department or you transfer to a different shift – um, we have people that did not get their sign on bonuses either. And this is by all intents and purposes fraud. Yeah. Changing. Absolutely. And and you have a case that they changed the terms and conditions of your employment. Yeah, a hundred
2: percent. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the the whole idea that like if you guys put together a union that And, and, you know, won a good contract, got better wages and better benefits that Amazon would be forced to shut down the facility while Bezos is out here building fucking space rockets. (laughs) Like, that just seems like such a hard thing to really, if you look at it for like a few minutes, so I. Yeah. I don't know. That just seems like such a crazy, but I know they say it. I know it's the sort of thing that every company says, whether it makes sense or not. And it's an effective intimidation campaign. It's just wild to see somebody who's just like, Oh, I'm going to take all my workers hard-earned, you know, labor and use that to shoot myself in a rocket up to near space. And, but I can't possibly pay y'all $21 an hour. (laughs) Like it just seems crazy.
1: I mean, if, if people if people around here were making twenty one dollars an hour, even with this inflated cost of living we have, you, you know, people think that central Kentucky's cheap. Well, I mean, it was for a little while. It, it was mm-hmm. up until now. Now it is quite expensive. Like, you know, the cost of living might still be lower than a place like New York, where I think sure. Amazon Labor Union. Yeah, I think. That them wanting thirty dollars an hour at JFK eight, that is a reasonable demand with that cost of living. They need
2: Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: But over here, of course, like we would definitely get not as significant as thirty dollars an hour. That that wouldn't be um as reasonable um a demand. But um yeah, twenty two dollars an hour to start out and then to get paid for every job that you learn. Mm-hmm get like an extra 25 cents if you learn these other jobs an hour um i mean that's one of the
3: great things about having your jobs in a contract itself is that they if they do want you to do extra work they have to pay you for that extra work
1: exactly and so the union's not even hostile towards uh people doing extra work you're just like hey if, if this person is more valuable to you as a worker than they need to see some of that money they're making you.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean yeah,
2: like to to the it's it's one of those things where you hear them talking about, "Oh, the union protects the lazy worker." Meanwhile, the company is supposedly not being lazy by asking workers to do more work for no extra money. It's like, "Well, who's the who's really the one being greedy in this situation?" <laughs> Yeah. I mean
1: so so look at some of these underpaid employees that we have here. So you've heard of learning ambassadors, correct? Yes. So they're responsible for learning all kinds of jobs whenever the manager asks them to. They're responsible for training employees. And sometimes they walk more than we do as a regular picker. So say say I walk uh fifteen to twenty miles a night, and it's usually on the high end of that spectrum. Um and depending on how the work is, I could get thrown around and walk even more. But these learning ambassadors, when they have a group of trainees that are assigned to them, they have to go and find these people. They, they, they look at a little Kindle and that mm. Kindle has the location of where these people are and, and who's assigned to them. Then they got to go walk around and find them and talk to them about all this other shit. Um, no matter which department they're in, like, of course my example is picking where they have to walk so far, you know, it's a manual, um, picking facility. Um, but over there, if, if, if they're in pack, they could throw this ambassador from picking to packing to stowing to, um, the ship dock and all that other shit without paying them anything else.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Um, but so I know that, that you guys are now affiliating, you know, you just told us uh, before that you're affiliating with the ALU. You've mentioned, you know, some of the work that's been done by groups like Amazonians United. Are there any other, you know, outside labor movements that have been going on right now, or even just like, I don't know, community groups, but really mostly like labor stuff that has really like inspired your organizing efforts. Oh, absolutely.
1: And, um, I attended a meeting with the DSA last week, um, so DSA has this labor council council for their Louisville chapter that I'm a part of and it's uh it's it's bread and roses caucus guys you know the, the Marxist of the group and um, yeah they they really want to support us they've been sharing our solidarity fund around they've um, they've got some salts that are interested in the workplace um, you know and Obviously, the CPUSA Communist Party doesn't have much of a presence in Kentucky, but I would love to see some support with them. Um, socialist Alternative, I'm in contact with people from there. Um, some of the people that came out to help us with the flyering and all that other stuff, they were from a Socialist Alternative. Um, obviously, that... Um, that that representative in Seattle from Socialist
2: Alternative. Mm-hmm. I can't think of her name right now. Um, Kashama Sawant. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and she donated $20,000 to ALU. Um, and so we're really looking into coalition building. And obviously the politics of unions and a lot of other legal barriers exist um, between building coalitions between unions and all that stuff, but you know, um, that support is vital. It's vital that we organize as a class Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that, that we, that we go back to class struggle unionism rather than business unionism. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I am now prepared to, uh, be organizing alongside the ALU because, they're a class struggle union Hell yeah. mm-hmm. independent unionism is class struggle unionism that's one of the things that really uh, turned me on about the IWW um, got me to join and acquire a mentor from there um, and take all their trainings and all this other stuff but because of their politics they you know you, you can dual card with the IWW but um, they don't they don't really have much going on, anymore, mm-hmm. you know like yeah. i w w s pretty distraught and pretty spread out Dance and all that,
2: yeah, it's yeah, I mean they've done you know some of the things like the organizing campaign at Burgerville, and uh, I believe they're helping out with the organizing campaign in um Alamo Draft House down in Austin, but yeah i mean it's it's really good to hear that there's so many different groups in the area that have been uh interested in and, and willing to help out with that that's really like to as you said to to go along this line of coalition building because even when you have you know different groups that may have different politics that there's still that understanding and it's like ultimately what we're all fighting for here is to empower workers and we can all agree on that
3: right oh yeah right and I and I think that the the one thing that you mentioned about the IWW that I have also heard uh, that is really important is that they do a lot of education and that there's by joining the IWW there's like lots of programs that people can can get real information on how to organize and how to build that power and I I've heard that uh, that that's one of the the main benefits that a lot of people have, have gone to the IWW for. And I think that if more people were doing that, maybe they would end up being a a union that could do a little bit more organizing. But besides that, um, I, I kind of wanted to ask, so you were mentioning that your facility is kind of like the company of a company town in a certain sense. And that, you know, I mean, obviously if the community wants to have, you know, a strength, in regards to that, you know, kind of community town structure with this business running most things. Uh, I mean, obviously a union is in all of their interest, but what sort of uh, like response have you seen from the local community itself in regards to this, this union drive that you're doing? Um, are there different organizations that uh, you've reached out to and maybe begun that coalition building with them or, or anything like that?
1: Um, so yeah, so in addition to being a company town, our town also has um one university. It's it's Campbellsville University. Um it regards itself as a, a Christian university, um although most of the people that go there they're young, they're open minded. And those are the people we seek to really have some solidarity with. And um yeah. Even though there has been this kind of barrier to contacting the organ, the, the uh, university, um, because I think campus ministries actually runs their Facebook group and they wow. didn't even allow me to post, but I've since got in contact with a local reporter. Um, it's, it's through NPR. So they have a local partnership with NPR and, you know, they're going to help us get the word out there. Um, and sort of some of the the physical response by the community was when we were out there flyering and serving and all that stuff. Um, there were people that were driving by, seeing the signs that we had with demands, and they were shouting like, hell yeah, and, and shit like that. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, and I'm sure everybody's aware because, you know, you type in the word Campbell's own in these articles about this union drive will come up. Um, but yeah, there's still some more community outreach to be done. Um, one of the things we want to do, I realized the importance of, in addition to organizing, you need to, you need to start mutual aid programs, mutual aid networks. Um, and so one of the things we want to do in the near future is have food drives, um, have events, um, like there's a cookout we have planned. I'm not going to say when, but it's going to be called, uh, feeding hungry Amazon employees. Nice. Hell yeah. so everybody's going to be invited to break bread with us. Um, you really see what's going on and actually hear our side of the story about some things because obviously you have the elders talking shit about me and, uh, not really trying to, trying to hear me out and what my side of the story is. Um,
0: yeah, I think it well, that's really cool because like events like that were a really, really big part of what helped uh, JFK eight succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was live music and and live events and food and famously handing out weed. I don't know if that's legal in Kentucky, but you know all that kind of stuff. I doubt it. Yeah, I, I doubt uh, it.
1: I, I
2: suppose we can give out some Delta eight, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I mean, to get into some of the labor, labor nerdery, I know that like reading some of the research that's been done, like from people like Kate Bronfenbrenner and other like labor historians, people studying, uh, trying to take a scientific approach to what makes union drives work and what makes them not work. I know one of the tactics that was constantly brought up in the research that, that she's done as well as other people that has consistently been one of those rank and file tactics that really helps grow unions is solidarity days. And that's basically like exactly what you're talking about. Is this a, a chance for workers to come together with members of the community outside of the dominion of the boss, like on their, their job site and just come together as people like, yeah, you talk about the importance of the union and stuff, but also just hanging out and, grilling and just having a good time and being able to actually get to know each other as people. And that really, I think the chance to build is exactly what you're talking about. The chance to build that solidarity can be really powerful.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I had a conversation with Chris Smalls right before this, um, meeting, we we had a zoom call. It was him and I and, um, my mentor Um, my mentor, give a shout out to him, give him some credit. Um, when ALU had their rally, um, in Phoenix outside of the NLRB Mm. hearing, um, this guy went out there and since he's been working with us so, so long since, since day one, um, he went out there and and told Chris Smalls about us. Um, That's awesome. Chris Smalls gave us a shout out that day and, you know, it felt great, you know? But yeah, that uh, yeah. Chris Smalls, Chris Smalls told me, you know, they they had barbecues all fucking summer long, you know, and yeah. and all the potlucks and stuff that they have. Of course, of course, one of the advantages that they had um, for that was they had that that public bus stop that was on Amazon's right. property that they could camp out at, and um we don't exactly have that luxury. We do have a bus stop, but it's, it's not public. Um, you know, and I haven't, I haven't been fired yet. So I made a promise to my people. If, if I become over unemployed, which is a very real possibility for me, there's, there's so much heat on me. Um, right. I've received four write-ups out of six write-ups that I'm allowed to have within a year. Um, Dang. If you receive more than that, then you are just automatically terminated um if If harassment charges continue to pile up from these anti union people, you know they could decide to fire me over that, and sure, luckily, there's county property across the street where I could be out there um <laughs> advocating but yeah yeah we we definitely don't have that advantage and Another thing I wanted to say about the company town aspects is people, people drive more than an hour to get here in some cases. Now I'm talking an hour, an hour of curvy road, an hour of an hour and a half commute for some people I know. Um, Yeah. We even have a manager that comes here from the north of Louisville. So that's two hours away. Whew. There are Yikes. there are three fulfillment centers between here and Louisville. There are fulfillment centers in Louisville. Why why is this manager commuting commuting all the way here? Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Like, like I would definitely say uh, the managers are definitely exploited too. Uh, think about it. You're you're a manager. You're expected to work the maximum hours a week, right? And your salary is that you're only getting paid for 40. Mm-hmm. And there, there was a post a long time ago where somebody averaged that out. They're an ex-Amazon manager. And they said, hey, I'm, uh, when we average this out, we're pretty much just making $18 an hour. Right. Yeah. And even yeah.
0: less when you factor in, what, four hours of driving every time you have <laughs> a shift?
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Um. Before we get to the last question, then I, I wanted to actually go back to another thought that I wanted to get to is one of the great strengths of the JFK eight organizing drive was the ability to reach out to the diverse community and having like people of of different backgrounds come up with uh you know whether it be like different foods or or just like a different experience in the community. I was wondering if you like what uh, what your facility is kind of like when it comes to that, that kind of diversity aspect and what you all are are doing to make sure to reach out to everyone.
1: So it's, it's mostly white people here. Uh, And something you would expect from a rural area, but yeah, there are some other minority uh, communities. Um, we, We even have, well, I think we only have one middle Eastern person. Um, He's actually on our organizing committee, by the way, shout out to Muhammad. Hell yeah. Yeah. And we have somebody on our organizing committee that speaks Spanish and he uh, reaches out to the, the the Hispanic people that only speak Spanish. You know, they don't speak any other language. Um, you know, he, one of our people is a translator and that's, uh, that's really neat to have. Um, nice. But yeah, I mean, it's, You know, there's just a shit ton of old white people here, mostly.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I was just I did uh, thought that that might be an interesting question to pose. But I guess before we wrap up, I wanted to know if there was any way that uh, listeners could support your efforts, uh, whether, you know, I I don't know if there's things that they could share or or anything like that or ways that they can uh, even if maybe by chance someone local happens to hear this, how they might be able to help.
1: Uh, yeah, if you're a local, um, get your ass out here and take a job at Amazon and um, help us salt our workplace for sure. Come here for the express purpose of helping us organize. You know?
0: <laughs> Love to hear and, that. And,
1: and, and then, you know, that's for all the listeners. If they can do that, then do it. Take a job at your local facility for the express purposes of unionizing and you're pretty much guaranteed to have your job for about uh, 90 days at Amazon. <laughs> um, yeah. That's that's because y- you start out, you have a learning curve, um, and nothing really counts against you for the first little while that you're training um, and other stuff. So, you know, you could go there. I-, I know one of the advantages that JFK8 had, speaking about that again, is they had salts. They had... They had right. um Justine Medina she's from the y c l and she came over there as salt um you had matt kusick he he came over there as salt um quite quite a few and if you have people that come there with nothing to lose, nothing to lose but your chains um yeah that 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 helps so much but if you could just give us um some outreach by sharing our Twitter posts. If you could uh, donate to the solidarity funds, um, the retaliation fund that we have going. Um, So, you know, we obviously have mapped out our, our employees who are at the biggest risk of losing their income by getting fired. And obviously I have the biggest target on my back, but there are several others. The more, the more vocal, um, confrontational people on the organizing committee and you know losing your job is devastating and when you do become unemployed um even if it's by firing amazon does anything they can to stop you from getting that unemployment Mm -hmm. they they will contest your claim and a lot of people don't know how to appeal it um They don't know that if the employer contests your claim, you have to go and file an appeal and you have to actually um, talk to one of these attorneys with your unemployment office and that will go to court. um, Figure out if you will get it. A lot of the other benefits you won't qualify for. Like speaking about some of the Amazon employees here who are already struggling, you know, if you're a single mother and you're you're making above that um federal poverty guideline threshold because they look at your um your before your your before tax income and and they don't look at what's left at the end of the month right right like with corporations they do them the the honor of uh looking at what profit is and then ta- taxing them based on profit profit is everything after expenses that's the surplus value that we provide to them. And that's what they get taxed on, you know? Mm -hmm. Um,
3: Well, uh, I guess with that, uh, did you want to say anything else before we let you go? We really appreciate you being on the show and giving us all this really great information. And uh, we're very excited to help get this out to people.
1: And um, I would say if there are any, any current Amazon employees um, on here right now, whatever you can do to have solidarity with your coworkers, just make sure that you make it about more than wages that, that Mm. you, that you make it about a holistic set of issues. You, you want to recognize everybody's issues. Like um, one of the, one of the things we had an organizing committee member, her main issue was that um, since COVID, there have been no family activities. There used to be picnics. Mm. There used to be, um they would take them to six flags um every once in a while or something like that um so even if that is an issue within your organizing committee make make a group of family planners like say hey this person your your goal since this is your issue um you know uh help us with this family planning and don't don't encourage management to do the family family events again do it yourself Absolutely. Make that into a workplace action. Militancy, um um like the IWW says, direct action gets satisfaction. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hell so, yeah. Can I say can I say one more thing? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so anybody anybody who is organizing their workplace, you need to be aware. Be very aware that the anti-union people they will if you give them any chance, they will become more organized than you are. They will work with site leadership against you. Um so you need to you need to really strengthen your committee whenever you start it. Um because once they do that, you know, they're not they're not doing anything that they have to sneak around, but you're the person who is having to having the new things on the low key. um, And they're not.
3: That's right. Well, again, I want to thank you so much, Matt, for coming onto the show and, and helping give us all this really important information on organizing and to give us the updates on where you currently are. And we really, really wish you the best uh, and solidarity.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah. And we'll, uh, We'll talk after this. I'll get those links from you for the the Solidarity Fund, the Retaliation Fund. We'll make sure we drop those in the show notes and absolutely encourage any of our listeners. If you got a few extra dollars, you can throw these folks away. I mean, we talk on the show all the time about the incredible difficulties faced by folks organizing at Amazon and you know there's a chance to help out as well as with all the other advice that that Matt gave about ways we can help out and so really encourage any of our listeners if you have the opportunity if you can to uh, to donate to those
3: funds absolutely and again we want to thank our listeners for for supporting uh, in whatever ways they can whether it be sharing the the tweets of of you know this this labor group of the Amazon organizers and ALU and all that and uh, again like you know as we always say at the end of every single episode (laughs) labor peace is not in our interest and solidarity forever. Solidarity
2: everybody Solidarity everybody
3: Scabble, will you be a man?